strange. I always think of the prepare the way before you, especially, I think Luther talks about this in the small called articles when he uh, refers to John as being the thunderbolt of the law. So finally, the last, not the last repent, but the first word he says is repent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which is to prepare the way. It's to- To be repented. To be repented. Is to be prepared. To cut down, (laughs) to humble. Yeah. 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 What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. After saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, and having a front row seat to Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist is in prison and second-guessing if Jesus is the Messiah. Sarah Stenson explains how this is a great preaching text because John the Baptist needs a preacher, and so do we. Jesus says in this week's lectionary reading, This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. What does it mean to prepare the way? Jesus isn't saying we have another chance to get it right. He's saying it's the role of a preacher to deliver God's promise. John the Baptist is the thunderbolt to the law. To be repented is to be prepared. You are a sinner, and your sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. So we are in uh, the 11th chapter of uh, Matthew's Gospel, Sarah. It kind of starts um, abruptly when yeah. John heard in prison. Uh, who's John? What, what prison? Uh, <laughs> Why is he how in long prison? Is he there? <laughs> What's going on? What's he there? How was yeah. he able to hear anything? Exactly. Yeah. What do he do? What do he do? Why right. is he there? <laughs> so here's the backstory. The rest of the story. So this is John the Baptist that we're talking about now in Matthew 11. 
So John the Baptist is in prison because, you may remember this soap opera of a tale, but he condemned uh, Herod's adulterous relationship with Herod's brother's wife, with his brother's wife. So, How dare he? Exactly. Come on. So um, Herod put John the Baptist in prison. So we, at this point in Matthew, we've had uh, John the Baptist has been introduced. He's done the pointing to Christ and all those things. But now he's in prison and he is hearing from um, presumably associates and friends of his what Jesus, the Messiah, had been doing. So John the Baptist sends word by his disciples, his associates, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Which, you know, when you first come across this, you're thinking, wait, John the Baptist is the one who said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal Mm -hmm. and pointing to Christ. There he is, watches the baptism with the God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that moment of the baptism of Christ. And now we've got John saying- there's there's the Lamb of God. Of God right. Too, Behold his, yeah. the Lamb of God who yeah. takes away. He knows exactly at that yeah. moment, in those moments, who Jesus is. And now we have John the Baptist sending people to ask Jesus, are you the one um, or are we to wait for another? So, so did, he, did he, by, by being thrown in prison, did that shake his faith? That's what I'm wondering. Or, or, or what, like if he knew right. before, why doesn't he know now? Right. Or why does he have to ask? Why does he have to ask? Um, This is actually a good preaching moment if you were to preach on this text because it's a very good illustration or depiction of even though uh, John the Baptist certainly had, he he was John the Baptist. He bore witness Mm -hmm. to the behold the Lamb of God. He sees the baptism, the whole thing. Suffering causes us all to question and it can the devil can even use that suffering to tempt us to try to put god on trial even though we we once had christ's word faith in our ear and heart and thought oh nothing's gonna nothing will separate me from love of god in christ jesus as the apostle paul says but then there comes tremendous trial and suffering as john the baptist was experiencing and it caused even him to to doubt and to ask the question, is Jesus the one? Was I wrong? Well, it's interesting because Jesus, in stereotypical Jesus fashion, yes. he answers with an unanswer. Right. But he essentially tells the disciple of John, mm-hmm. um, go and tell him what you hear and see. And then he just continues to give a depiction of all of it. Yeah. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. All, I mean, just a laundry list. Because, I mean, does he know John is going to, is that going to kind of be like the wake-up call for John? Right. And you're right. This is certainly a very, you know, classic Jesus non-answer answer answer, Mm -hmm. where he's going to bring a confession out from the people who are asking the question. And and even now for us who are kind of listening in on this. So what Jesus is doing there, starting in verse 5, with the blind receive sight, the lame, the lepers, he's actually quoting from Isaiah, a number of it's Isaiah 26, 29, 35, 42, 61. And what he's saying then, effectively, and remember he's 
talking to Jews, to people who know the scripture, what we now call the Old Testament, they certainly knew the prophet Isaiah, he's now saying, I am the one, I am the fulfillment of all of those prophets, saying he's coming, he's coming. Now he's saying, I'm the fulfillment of all those prophecies. So it's, but you're right, it's not a direct, yes, I am the Messiah. It is that indirect, tell John, go witness to him, witness to him. All the all of those prophecies now here from Isaiah are being fulfilled in Jesus. Well, this is a way of actually preaching to uh, John while he's in Baptist while he's in prison. And that's I think really important to point out that Jesus easily could have just said, "I am the Messiah," right? But connecting it to the Old Testament, I think, adds more validity. Or completes, at least, completes scripture. Uh, yeah, and this is um, what Luther actually calls all, scri- scripture interprets itself. And all of scripture is driving the same thing, which is Jesus. So rather than now making a claim, which would be kind of a normal human reaction, really, frankly, in the law even, he's just saying, go and tell John what you hear and see. See all these prophecies that I am, I am now fulfilling. Yeah, but that's almost secondary to just how amazing that litany is. Yeah. I mean, we re- read stuff like this all the time as Christians, that the blind receive sight or lepers are cleansed or the dead are raised. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every single... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just things that uh, we just... Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> right, right. But all of the... Like, if you're in prison and you say, hey, uh, is this Jesus really the Messiah? <laughs> And right. your friends come back to you and say, hey, by the way, a bunch of dead people are now alive. <laughs> right. I mean, well, it's, a, it's a very dramatic yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the interesting thing now, like, and the poor have good news brought to them. It, sometimes you'll hear, and the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. those lacking faith have good news brought to them. So he does not fulfill the, you know, he doesn't make the poor wealthy mm-hmm. in money or circumstance. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist at this point is the poor. poor. Yep. yep. He is the poor in spirit. He doesn't have faith. Mm-hmm. Is he the one? Was mm-hmm. I wrong? He's lost, literally lost faith. And so John the Baptist now, which is really what Jesus is saying, go and tell John mm-hmm. what you hear and see. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a f- fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophets. So yeah, he is the one. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're going to go back and preach to John the Baptist. So what does Jesus mean? I think it's kind of funny when he says, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Right. I feel like that's literally no one. No one who... No one. Like, like no everyone one, takes offense. Everyone takes offense at Jesus. So that means no one is blessed? No one is blessed. <laughs> right. Or, like, I just, I just find it so funny that he is saying all the things he did. Right. Right, right. He did, he did, he did. And now blessed are you uh-huh. if you... Don't do Don't this. get offended at me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So as you kind of, you certainly read that in context, you're exactly right. What he's saying is it's only when you have faith in God's promise. In other words, in his mercy, his acting outside of the law and apart from the law, only then will you not take offense. Even at that, the poor have good news brought to them. Well, that's offensive to us, because we think the poor should have money or food or clothing or shelter. Right, yeah. But no, Jesus is saying, 
Nope. The poor have good news brought to them, preached to them. So when you take offense at Jesus, and I don't mean if, I really do mean when, because you're right, Carrie, we all, if we're honest, you scratch too much below the surface Mm -hmm. and we're all offended at Jesus because he is forgiving people we don't really want to be forgiven. I mean, it's one thing to say, thank you for forgiving me. But it's another thing when you start getting personal with forgiving people who have done horrible, committed horrible crimes or have hurt you or your family member. And then you hear, what, a pastor went to prison and actually forgave them mm. all their sin? Yeah, that's, that's incredibly, tough. oh, it's yeah. offensive yeah. to us. So, and that's because Jesus operates outside of the law. Everything he said there, um, restoring sight, cleansing lepers, the deaf, obviously raising the dead, all of this is against nature. It's against our laws and our sense of how things should happen. But then you get down to forgiving sin, which is what Jesus really came to do by his own account. And now you're talking about incredibly offensive. It's what got him killed. Yeah. And that's the the ironic part of forgiving sin is that you think that, you know, it's good for us to have our sin forgiven. <laughs> right. But yet in the same token, we're offended when everyone else has their sins forgiven as well. Right. People get, I mean, people get offended when their sins get forgiven too. I mean, they can, they can. if they don't yeah. think they need the forgiveness. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Which is why there are so many fights now in contemporary times about yeah. is sin, sin, mm-hmm. or do we know better now? And we're not really going to call sin, sin, because that is offensive and mm-hmm. we don't want to deter people from coming into our congregations or make them feel bad and all those things. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. So that's the kind of the flip side of that. Yeah. Which is why for preachers, it's really hard um, for, for most preachers because most preachers go into ministry because they like people. They care about people. They do. They yeah. have big hearts and Empathetic they, right? Yeah. Exactly. And they don't, want to hurt people. Certainly they don't want to cause pain or emotional distress. And so it's really tempting for preachers to pull back right in the moment of, you know, you've got the kill shot. You are the man, as Nathan said to David. And it's actually one of the hardest things we uh, have to teach our seminary students is, you know, you really have, you have to pull the trigger. You have to name sin in order to forgive it in Christ. It is the epitome of pastoral care, is naming sin in order to forgive it. If you don't name sin, you are literally leaving people in hell, unforgiven. And this is just really subtle, but I I was just, when you said kill shot and you have to pull the trigger, I was just like, whoa. Right. You're actually doing that. You're putting your congregants to death. Well, Luther like calls this the sin. big death. The, yeah. ki- the death of the ego is the big death. That's exactly right. No, I used those words intentionally, and you're right. It is kind of like, whoop. But that's literally death to life is what mm-hmm. makes you into a theologian of the cross. You are dragged through the cross from death to life. You don't limp along and say, ah, you missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, verse seven says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. So he starts to, I, I think it's kind of strange. Like he starts <laughs> to give a sort of commentary. Now he's like shaking, on, wagging his finger at the yeah. crowd. Yeah. <laughs> what did you go out into the wilderness to look out a reed shaken by the wind? So he's, uh, what, I mean, what's, what does this mean? Well, keep if you keep going, then okay, uh, sure. what did you go out to see? Go ahead, yeah. Adam. Uh, what then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes. Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go to see? A prophet. Right. So he's kind of just listing um, a variety of expectations that he knew the people in the crowd had about what the Messiah should look like. And so when he's saying things like a reed shaken by the wind, kind of, you know, uh, variable, not strong, uh, someone dressed in soft robes, that's like someone in a royal palace. So he's just naming the uh, misguided expectations uh, the people in the crowd would have had about what the Messiah is supposed to look like, because it wasn't Jesus going around forgiving sin. And Jesus, of course, knows that. But then he says at the end, what then did you go out to see a prophet? And he says, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. So what he's talking about here is, and by the way, he's talking about um, John. John the Baptist. Yep, not about himself. So he's talking about John the Baptist is more than a prophet, which is true because he certainly was a prophet, but he also functionally becomes the first preacher of Christ because he points that, as Luther says, long bony finger, he points at Jesus and says, there he is, the Lamb of God. He is He is the one we've been waiting mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. And that is the role of the prophet. All the way through the Old Testament, the prophets are always saying, he's coming, he's coming, the mm-hmm. promised seed, the, you know, the, the, all the way back to Genesis 3, all the way through. Um, so when Jesus says more than a prophet, what he's recognizing there is that John the Baptist, while certainly he was a prophet, he was he had a, a unique and special role among the prophets because he was actually talked about and identified, which is what we get in verse 10. Um, the Malachi specifically in the Old Testament says, well, and I can, this is verse 10, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. This is Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. So that's what Jesus is referring to in verse 10. Now in the Matthew text, Malachi, the prophet Malachi, who is actually talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I will. that would be the messenger who would prepare the way before Jesus, which is why then John the Baptist is more than your average bearer prophet. <laughs> But aren't we all technically sinners, including John the prophet? Oh, John the Baptist? Yeah. Absolutely. And we're yes. gonna we're gonna get that actually in verse eleven. That's really good. You're Okay. You're jumping ahead right. j- just a little bit. But all let right, me, I'll bite my tongue. Yep. Hold, hold that thought, like half a verse. <laughs> so the last half of verse ten, um, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So this is actually from Isaiah again. And What Jesus is talking about here is that it is the role of the preacher, this was John the Baptist, who started to deliver God's speaking. And in that moment, it was the speaking of the promise of Christ, 
for God, actually, that was preparing the way. That's the prepare your way before you. It was not the people who were hearing. So mm-hmm. this was not Jesus or John the Baptist saying, hey, you've got potential. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, prepare the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Nope. He's saying that's exactly what John the Baptist's role was. And now it's actually the role of preachers to this day to deliver Christ's promise, mm-hmm. the Word of God, capital W, mm-hmm. into the ears, the hearts of the people who are listening. That's how the way is prepared. Mm-hmm. It's the Word of God. You're making the path straight. I always think that. of the prepare the way before you, especially, I think Luther talks about this in the small call, called articles when he uh, refers to John as being the thunderbolt of the law. To right. finally, the la- not the last repent, but the first word he says is repent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which is to prepare the way. It's to, to be repented. To be repented. Is to be prepared. To down, <laughs> exactly. to humble. Yeah. 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 Right, which is what we were talking about earlier. It's that naming of mm-hmm. sin. That's Which is why how... he's in prison, to go back right. to the beginning. Exactly. No, that's exactly <laughs> <circle>. right. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad, though. What, what, that he was in prison? Yeah. Well, I just... like It's actually... I, I, because I've been with you guys in the past, I know why it's good, but like... Why do you think it's good? The sympathetic one person inside of me, yeah. it just... He was one of the those people that was with him and truly I mean people thought he was the Messiah right. and he's like and he was the one who was like no it's right. not me you're letting me cloud your judgment sort of thing and it, so it's just like you're, you're I know why like, it had to happen but it's so mom, sad I mean verse 11 you're <laughs> lamenting that no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist and you're just like that is a bummer that yes. the greatest I'm like fangirling over John the Baptist and now he's going to die in prison. But this is actually the Christian life. Yeah. Everyone who has faith suffers and actually is attacked by, as Luther says, the devil, the world, and our sinful selves. And that Mm -hmm. never stops until we die. Mm -hmm. And we are finally resting literally in peace. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you look at what happened to the uh, apostles who were walking around with Jesus generally did not end well dead, for those dead, guys. Dead, yeah. martyred, dead. Right, yeah. upside down, <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, Jesus keeps saying over and over, we've talked about this, you'll be hated for my name's sake. Yep. I came mm-hmm. not to unite, but to divide and all those things. And so it is, I mean, certainly you have empathy for John the Baptist who might feel slightly like a used Kleenex at this point. Like, wait, I did what I was supposed to do and now I'm in prison for, for naming sin, which is, you know, that's kind of his... Thing as we were talking about with Adam, that's mm-hmm. what he did. Yeah, and of course, not it, even getting to the truly offensive part of forgiving sin. It no, was just naming sin that got into prison. All right, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. But um, this is actually the Christian life. This is not a prosperity gospel kind of text. This is the mirror of uh, suffering that comes <laughs> to all of us who have faith. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because I know someone who, I, th- I think I know someone who said to their, their future spouse, pastor person, that uh, if you're going to marry me, you have to be comfortable with me someday ending up in prison for preaching. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't no. know who you're talking about. Okay. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I names. know who you know. We won't say names. Uh, I've heard that yeah. though before, but it's, I mean. That's interesting. It, yeah. 
I get on. it. A bit of a John the Baptist complex a bit of it, there, yeah, a perhaps. Bit. <laughs> I think I'm, I'll leave that one untouched. <laughs> so I guess this last um, uh, verse then, Sarah, yeah. we kind of talked about it. Truly, I tell you, among those born of a woman, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, mm-hmm. yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So what's, right. especially this last, yeah. yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Yeah, what it, is Christ trying to communicate here? Exactly, because it can be a little bit confusing there. Um so when he's saying among those born of women, in other words, under the law, that would be all of us human beings. No one is greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, what Jesus is doing here is not so much a quantification or measurement of who's more righteous, but what he is doing is making the contrast between the law and the gospel or faith. So what he's trying to say is, as great as you think John the Baptist is or was, Jesus is saying, conceded. I'll say, sure, Uh, among those born of women, in other words, human beings under law, no one greater than John the Baptist. However, the least in the kingdom of heaven, in other words, of faith, is greater than he. So this is really just Jesus... um, starting to lay the groundwork at this point because we know this is the transition point from John the Baptist, that's it. He's in prison and then beheaded. And now we turn to Jesus' ministry. Mm -hmm. So that's what this verse 11 is starting to do, is transition us to the reason Jesus was born and the reason we celebrate Christmas. It's not the military victor or the ha we're finally going to make the world right the way we want to this is what he's starting to lay out here he came actually to forgive sin and give righteousness in faith which is greater than anything we can imagine in the law and on that note we've reached the end of this week's episode my friends Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us how John the Baptist, the man who witnessed Jesus' baptism and triumphantly declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, doubted whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. His faith was attacked. Suffering causes all of us to question. And we all need a preacher. A preacher like John the Baptist. The thunderbolt to the law. A preacher who declares that to be repented is to be prepared. You are a sinner, and your sin is forgiven in Jesus' death and resurrection. You are greater than John the Baptist because you have this faith. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah at lhos.org. That's sarah at lhos.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus' promise is offensive. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.